I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. The wins and losses are stacking up, so it's time for WNBA Stocks with me and Owen Pence. show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com if you're looking to get tickets for the current WNBA season thanks to our sponsors TickPick, you don't have to worry the original no fee ticketing site and official ticketing partner of the WNBA champion Chicago Sky. Use the link tickpick.com backslash windsider. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com backslash windsider for all your upcoming ticket purchases to the WNBA, NFL, NBA, or any other event. We're back at it with WNBA stocks update today, May 16th. I'm Aria Schwartz along with Owen Pence, and let's hop right into it. Owen, maybe a little uh, reaction. I mean, I don't know. Uh, do you want to talk about what's changed over the past weeks? Do you want to talk about uh, the stocks of, well, the beauty of this segment um, and having the ability to change so rapidly as these teams uh, do? Yeah, 100%. I think this was the fun of it when I was kind of brainstorming this idea is that it's going to fluctuate so much on a week-to-week basis that already, you know, this week we might be talking about teams. In fact, there is one team specifically that that was on the downswing last week that now we've got with their stock already having risen. And I think this is especially so given that we have so little data right now. Um, You know, this is now our second episode you know, Connecticut still only played two two games. Indiana's played five games. Most of the teams have played four games. Just not a lot to go on. So a team that, you know, when we recorded the, the first episode, the pilot, so to speak, last week, you know, we were going off one game and really kind of trying to, to draw conclusions from 40 minutes of basketball, which is pretty difficult. Now, you know, things have, have swung a little bit. So it's fun. Some of these teams that we were really psyched to talk about in a positive light, you know, after the first weekend have started to, 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 to show some issues. And then, you know, on the other end, a team that maybe started off quite poorly in game one is now, now showing reasons to get excited. So I'm, I'm excited. Let's dive in. Let's dive right in. You know, we'll start off positive first, right? So uh, I'll go first with my team that's on the up and coming stocks that are going big time up. The Dallas Wings, um, after a rough start against Atlanta in game one, they really bounced back against, and I believe the ESPN power rankings came out and ranked the Washington Mystics the number one team. That could be a whole other episode about how I disagree on that. Um, But needless to say, that's a huge win for the Wings. Then they move on to then beat New York with a big win. I mean, this team looked like they had lost their footing early. Two early wins now. They're sitting at two and one in the positive, and you're getting uh, Satu Sabli coming from overseas where Fenerbahce just won their finals. I believe it was the Turkish finals 3-0. So she's on her way back, which just has to be another shot in the arm 
for this team. Uh, what are your thoughts on the wings? And then uh, what team are you picking? I'm super excited about the wings and I'm glad we started off with them because that was my stock down team week one. And again, it was, it was kind of unfair. It was just the nature of this exercise. That's what makes it fun. But, uh, you know, they'd lost one game to Atlanta and it's like, Oh, okay. The stock's down now. Now it's had a little bit of time to stabilize. So I, I was lucky enough to, to, you know, be at the game in person, um, yesterday against New York and I was incredibly impressed. I think there's a lot to be really, really excited about um, from from the Wings' perspective. I think something that I talked about last week that I was concerned about was something that you saw last year in Vicky Johnson's first year as head coach of this team, which was that on a night-to-night basis, you just didn't know what the rotations are going to be. The thing about this Wings roster is that every player on the roster is extremely capable and deserves minutes. And they had a really tough time, I think, last year, even though they returned to the playoffs and in the aggregate, it was a a positive season. They had a lot of trouble kind of outlining a a starting lineup and outlining a consistent rotation where players kind of knew what they were going to have to do on a night-to-night basis. And so after game one, when you had Ty Harris, you know, starting at point and then only playing nine minutes it kind of looked to me like more of the same, like, oh man, is this team just going to gonna kind of be throwing darts at the wall from a rotational standpoint uh, on a night-to-night basis? And I think what we've seen, you know, with these two, these two wins now and what Vicky Johnson was talking about in the, in the postgame yesterday is that, thank goodness they have 12 capable players and, and she's going to need performances from every single one of them. I think what we're seeing is that there's a lot of really, really playable, exciting young talent on this team. Um, you know, you saw Ty Harris with an exceptional game, ten assists, um, and then they come off that. She gets injured at the at the end of that game against Washington, and uh, they come out. You know, yesterday in a game that New York kind of, I'm not gonna say desperately needed because it's way too early in the season for for must win type of games, but it was a game that New York really wanted to win their second straight home game after losing to Indiana, you know, afternoon matinee and Dallas came out and handled business. I was really impressed by, by the rookie Veronica Burton, who I hope to write about um, in the, in the future. Um, Just a really solid defensive player was, was stepping to Sabrina Ionescu and kind of giving her problems with, with her ball pressure. Um, You know, Arike had kind of a a classic first half where she was struggling to get going and then just started lighting up New York in the second half. You know, Izzy Harrison's just so solid. Kayla Thornton's so solid. They just have a lot of playable players. Marina Mabry hitting step backs. I mean, I could go on and on down the line. Alicia Gray might be the most impressive two-way player on this team. So I just think that there's real reason to be excited given that, you know, one of their main core pieces, as you mentioned, hasn't even arrived yet. Um, things are on the up and up. I mean, it's way too early to be quoting advanced stats, but they're they're fifth in net rating right now, um, outscoring teams by over four points per 100 possessions. The top four teams, Chicago, Vegas, Connecticut, Washington, we kind of all expected them to be there. So Dallas, really pleasant surprise so far. I'm, I'm impressed. Move on to your, uh, your pick. All right, so... Stock up over here. I think this was the biggest lock, uh, which is which is Atlanta, um, and and mostly because what did we expect from Atlanta this year? No one knew. I mean, last year was about as messy and chaotic as it got. 
Um, both from an on-court standpoint and from a PR standpoint, I think it was just kind of a disaster of a season. And we all knew that the team needed a reset. Okay, great. But but how's that actually going to look? Is it still going to look you know, like this team needs a lot of work? How gradual is it going to be? And I think really the only thing to talk about here is the fact that Dan, Dan Padover, who was, you know, back-to-back executive of the year in Las Vegas, he, he comes over to Atlanta and his first major splash is to trade for the number one overall pick. And the number one overall pick, Ryan Howard, just won Eastern Conference Player of the Week in her first week as a pro. I mean, I, I need to, to hit up Curtis, you know, shout out to Across the Timeline, one of the best uh, women's hoop websites, to see if that's ever happened before. I can't I can't remember a rookie winning, you know, player of the of the week in her first week. Um, just an exceptional start to the season. Now they're three and one. This isn't gonna continue. This is I, I still don't think this is a playoff team. The roster's really thin. Uh, Howard is averaging over 20 points a game. No one else is in double figures. Um, they're gonna start losing games for sure. But I think that's fine. I, I this team does not have the expectation to be a contender this season. All you want to see is progress and all you want to see is the number one pick, you know, prove that, that she was worth the selection and worth the trade that, that Atlanta made. And I mean, it, it couldn't be more positive so far. I think that, um, that it's just obvious that this is a player who's a, a franchise cornerstone, the, the, her ease on the court, the way she, you know, handles the ball, the way she comes off screens, um, and just scores, you know, without a problem, uh, man, I'm, I'm incredibly impressed. Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, it's been with Ryan Howard, it's looked seamless. It's looked co- like, you know, how they always talk about in sports, the game slows down for the vets when you're really in the zone, the game looks slow for her. Her confidence is next level. I gotta say if there's another play, I mean, I have to assume it would be somebody of the likes of like Candace Parker um Yolanda Griffith or I'm trying to think of who else would have uh that stat of of pulling player of the week in their first week I mean Atlanta's a team where their stocks are looking up you have to be positive and the only annoying thing for Atlanta fans it's almost like you want her you want Ryan Howard to do really well you want this team to grow but you also don't want to do too good uh that you ruin your chances for a top draft pick in this coming draft because you have to understand it's not just a, a one and done season type thing. Like you want to have prolonged uh, success in this in this league. Uh, the honorable mention, I believe we decided, was the Indiana Fever. They've been looking up this season. I mean, first time in easily like five years that that we can sit here and talk about the positive uh, of the Indiana Fever with a straight face. Uh, you know, if, if they can stay healthy, we've seen amazing growth from from their young rookies um and i think th- it's a team where i want to see more out of uh if we're talking stocks i don't think i'm as big of a buy as you know where i where we were on these two other teams we just mentioned but they are a team that i'm definitely you know on the positive for um any quick thoughts on indiana before we move to our down stock zone yeah absolutely Quick thoughts. I totally agree with everything you said. I think that the key point there is just that any positive is so overwhelmingly positive after the past, you know, four years of Indiana Fever basketball. So it's like, you know, progress, however marginal it may be, uh, is is really really huge. And I think that you know, I I also 
got to see Indiana in New York on Friday night. And again, the, the energy of the team was just so, so good. Um, I think to hit on so many of these draft picks um, is, is really all that you could ask for, uh, you know, much in the same vein of me saying Atlanta is probably going to lose a lot more games. Indiana is going to lose a lot more games. Um, but you want to see Nalissa Smith and Queen Egbo dominating the boards against a team, you know, with a front court of two max players, you know, that's like real tangible growth. Um, and I think that, you know, if you just, and I, and there's something to be said too, for just improved locker room vibes, right? Like, you know, losing over and over, having the longest playoff drought in the league can really wear you down. And to just have this youthful kind of vibrant energy in the locker room and just have these players that, that, you know, the vets are so impressed by and are really kind of refreshed to be playing with. That's just a a really great sign for the future of, of the team. So I think that um, a really great promising start to the season for the fever. And talk about our teams that are not having the most promising start. I'll go first. Uh, and me probably maybe the, the only time we're going to see this team on this list. So I kind of had to jump at the opportunity to do it. The Seattle storm are hobbled on one leg more metaphorically. I mean, they they're missing Stewie. They're missing Prince. They're missing multiple other players. Um, this team is sitting at one in three. They're at the bottom of the power rankings. They're at the bottom of the standings. Um, realistically, I don't think we're going to see this team sitting here much longer uh, we joked about this as I guess this is like the most 2020 joke we could possibly make. And it's sad, but it's real. Like Brianna Stewart getting COVID and heck, even Natasha Cloud getting COVID this early in a season where the WNBA players are traveling commercial with no mass mandate on flights. We are going to see a lot more games, a lot more rosters disrupted by health and safety protocol how positive is it going to be for not only just players on, on the teams that are expected to make deep runs, but for stars of that team to arguably, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be a scientist, but from what I understand is they likely are going to have a harder time catching COVID uh, moving forward for what is likely their rest of their season. So might be a good thing uh, for these players. Obviously, we hope everyone stays healthy. We know there's a dark side to it. I'm not trying to to make light of the situation, but if everyone stays, you know, relatively healthy, everyone's vaxxed up, whatever, and these players no longer have that worry. Like if, let's say you're, I'm trying, Asia Wilson gets COVID late in the season or whatever, whoever it is, that could have a huge impact on a team um, in comparison to what it's doing right now for the storm where, yeah, they're down. But even we had to debate about whether or not we would put them on the down. What's your thoughts on the storm? Yeah, uh, so, you know, I this is, again, where the the fun of this exercise comes in, because I think last week uh, it was the Sparks who we kind of disagreed about a little bit. And I think this is going to be the team that I I would disagree with a little bit. I really don't. I, you know, I love the the idea of like jumping it. <laughs> throwing Seattle into the stock down category because they're not going to be here again. You're not going to have this opportunity. That's kind of where I'm at. I don't see any reason for concern. You know, their three losses are two to Phoenix, who's a, a lock for a playoff team. Oh, wait a second. Now, wait a second. That That's where I, that's where my, my part of my thing is like, I don't see if Phoenix in my mind, I need to see more from them. So I guess like, 
part of it for me is I don't view as of now. I do not view Phoenix without Brittany Griner a playoff team. So to see Seattle lose even without Stewie, even without these other players, that's what really stung for me. That that's just my take. Sorry, go. No, that's total. That's totally fair. I think it's it's definitely you know within question. Um, personally, I disagree. I think Skylar Diggins Smith, you know, last year played the best basketball of her career. Um, obviously, as you saw in the game on Saturday, you know, Diana Taurasi might be a shell of herself in many ways, but she can still kind of put the team on her back offensively and, and win you a close game. You know, Tina Charles um, is going to is going to rack up stats. Diamond to Shields, I'm so happy that that she, you know, is playing and, and really looks pretty good, I think, was hitting some threes. They've got a lot to figure out. And, and I think, again, we, we have to stress free BG, bring her home. Mm-hmm. It's been way too long. And um, I really liked the wings in their post game after New York yesterday. They made a, a note to, to, to say the same and kind of share that message and share their support of, of Brittany Griner before getting into any basketball questions. So we got to keep, keep that energy um, because it's, it's horrible and really puts such a damper on this season. Um, as far as Seattle is concerned, I mean, the COVID situation is bad. The, 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 the flights, that is its own podcast. You are going to have teams that are missing key players throughout this season. It's just a byproduct of, of what's happening in the world right now. Um, I think that as far as Seattle is concerned, maybe the, my only kind of agreement with you in terms of putting them in the stock down category is that their you know, maybe lack of depth was exposed with Stewie out. Um, and you saw that against Phoenix, where Jewel Lloyd is a very capable number one. She was hooping, you know, except for that last possession where she turned it over, kind of a little a little glitch in the matrix, so to speak. Um, but I think that the one question with Seattle and the one thing that might prohibit them from being in the truly elite tier of contenders this year, rather than that kind of second tier of surefire playoff locks, but can they win the finals? The, the one thing you'd worry about is that they're a little thin. I mean, Sue Bird is is not looking good to start the season, which is incredibly understandable given her age. But it, it begs the question, you know, should this team, in hindsight is obviously 2020, but this team had a very capable point guard, you know, waiting in the wings in Jordan, Canada. They let her walk and are running it back with Sue for one more year. You know, this is a pivotal season. Brianna Stewart's only on on the one year deal. You you need to convince her that this is the place she wants to continue to play basketball at. So if I'm going to talk about stock being down, I think I I do it from a, a grander perspective of of concern about you know re-signing re-signing Stewie and just the the future of this franchise. I I liked a lot of the moves they made this offseason. I love the Brianna January signing. Love the Gabby Williams addition. Um, I'm very enthused by what I'm seeing from Ezzy Magbagor. She only continues to, to impress and improve. Um, but they're thin. And when you don't have your best player, uh, you're going to lose games. And they're, they're really struggling in that regard. So I think stock down for now. Um, we wish Stewie the best. I hope she's, she's recovering uh, uh, well and will be back soon. But that's, that's my take on, on Seattle currently. And your stock down, team. Yeah, so my stock down here to, to, to wrap us up, I think this is kind of the most obvious, and, and this was one where last week I was I was almost clamoring for the New York Liberty to be in the stock up category. You had the Sparks, 
I said, no, it should be Atlanta or New York. Well, I feel validated about Atlanta, uh, but New York uh, has, has, you know, gone in the complete opposite direction uh, in kind of a shocking way. I think this is like one of the, maybe the more interesting stories of this first, you know, nine days of the season, 10 days of the season, wherever we're at, uh, you know, this team just had a really bad stretch of three losses. They, they obviously win the opener against Connecticut at home. Uh, everyone's really excited. Sabrina looks great. You know, Sandy Brondello has injected all kinds of, of energy uh, into this team. And it seems like they're on the up and up. You know, Benajah Laney hadn't even played yet. There was a lot of reason for, for excitement. They go to Chicago. They, they just you know, suffer a route. I mean, it wasn't close. Score 50 points. Just a, a shellacking. A shellacking. I mean, you could, you could go on for days with the adjectives. Shellacking might, <laughs> might just be the, the one though. That might be the mic drop. <laughs> it needs it was, to be used more. It really does. Such a good word. Um, it was bad. It was really bad, but okay. That's the defending champs. You're on the road. You know, you're still incorporating players uh, into the system. You know, Laney's first game back, whatever. You come home, they've, they've got a three-game homestand here, Friday night, Indiana, Sunday, Dallas, and then Tuesday, Connecticut again. You're thinking, you know, at worst, you take two of these three games, and at worst, worst, you take one. Well, the two winnable games of these three were Indiana and Dallas. They lost both, and it was just the way they lost these games. They're, they're last in rebounding percentage uh, right now. Which might not be surprising, you know. This has been a struggle for years. We've worried about this front court, but they they paid Steph Dolson a lot of money. They're paying Natasha Howard the max, um, and they're still getting killed on the boards. And it's not like you know I I kind of teased this earlier in the podcast. They got out rebounded by you know 23, 24 rebounds by the Indiana Fever, who has a front court of rookies playing in their third professional game. Uh, it's the way in which they're losing these games that is really concerning. They're getting out-hustled. They're getting beat in transition. The transition defense is really sloppy. They're turning the ball over. And I think from a coaching perspective, you know, and again, this is the fickle nature of this exercise is that there's going to be people who are looking really good one week and are looking questionable the next week. I'm sure I'm going to be heaping praise on Sandy Brondello as the season goes on. But right now, I have some serious questions about about her rotations. It seems like, you know, without Rebecca Allen back yet, she hopefully will make her debut tomorrow night against Connecticut. But it really looks like Sandy is is grasping for straws here. I mean, I think the prime example of this is Jocelyn Willoughby, who has started every game so far for New York. And in my opinion, has looked really good in terms of what New York is asking her to do. I mean, the first half against Dallas yesterday, Jocelyn had the clamps on Arike. Uh, Arike was one for six from the field. Willoughby was her primary defender, was was incredible with the ball denial, uh, just making her work and forcing her into really tough looks, kind of funneling her into the paint and towards the baseline where, you know, Natasha Howard and New York's bigs could then bother Arike's shots at the rim. And Willoughby, for the second straight game, just like in the Indiana game, got completely buried and did not play any of the fourth quarter, did not play any down the stretch. And uh, and Brondella was kind of going from player to player, just trying to see if anything stuck. Nothing did. And, uh, and this one, they lost handily. Indiana was an overtime game. They had chances to win that. But 
really had no business winning that game either. Just a really concerning couple of losses, and I think there's a lot of questions in terms of uh, of the roster right now, and just who are going to be the rotation players. Uh, not a not a good start to the season for New York. Oh, I mean, Han Su has been been the the lone bright spot realistically, and great to hear that. Great to see that. Um, excite. Honestly, I love the idea of pairing Han with uh with Natasha Howard. I think that would be a scary fun combo. Both of them can shoot. Saw a little bit of that from Han, but yeah, I think Dolson kind of encapsulates that, you know, falling out, averaging what, just three rebounds a game in four games. Yes, she's shooting 50%, um, hasn't hit a three yet. It's just been a struggle. This team looks out of sorts. It looks like they're trying to, I, I don't know, it looks like they're trying to find who they are when you kind of assumed based on what we saw last year. This team knew who they were. Yes, they're going to bring in a new coach, work on some culture stuff, and take that next step forward. It honestly looks like now this team is just an identity crisis, and it's got to be scary, especially after uh, all the hype of, of, of a Game 1 win. I'm excited to see what happens on Tuesday uh, with Connecticut and, and the Liberty. While, yes, the Connecticut game is the viewed as the harder game of the of these uh three these three home home games that you were talking about i think you have to look at it at least and say you know what like if we're going to be a team that and, and this is what i always say when you're going up against uh a top tier team hey if you're going to be a contender you have to find ways to win or at least minimum minimum compete for for all 40 minutes against these top tier teams so i'm excited to see what they can do from that but yeah i gotta agree Stocks down, they just have looked like a shell of themselves. Um, no real rhythm, no real flow. Uh, and that's really all I got to say about the Liberty. So definitely a stock down. We do have to give an honorable mention to LA. A fall from grace uh, from our last stock um, last stock check in. Uh, but I do want to do a, uh, how do I, stock watch. Two teams, and we touched on one of them. Uh, the Phoenix Mercury are a team that I'm excited to see watch for the next couple of weeks and kind of get a gauge of really where they are. The other team that I'm excited for and probably biasly bringing this up, my hometown team, Minnesota Lynx, with the influx of Avina Westbrook, Mariah Jefferson, Kayla McBride was just activated uh, a few hours ago. They're taking on LA in uh, in LA on Tuesday. I'm not necessarily focused on either of these teams' next game specifically, for the next few games to kind of gauge where they are. I think both of them, we're going to get a much better sense of, uh, of who these teams are. Any final thoughts, anybody you want to do a stock watch for uh, before we turn out for today? I like this. This is, uh, this is putting me on the spot here with a, with a new segment. This is beautiful. I think as far as the sparks are concerned, I agree. Definitely reason for concern. I think that the um, Liz Cambage edition we're going to have to see how that plays out, you know, once we get a full season of data. I think the real concern here is that defensively she kind of takes away from the, the overall excellence of the team's defense. You know, you can only do so much when your five is just planted in the paint and not really willing to 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 do much else on the defensive end. Um, or maybe it's not fair to say she's not willing, but she's just not regardless. Um, so I'd be a little concerned about LA because offensively, obviously is where the main concerns lie. So if they even regress a little bit on the other end of the ball, the margin for error is just too thin. 
I think you covered it with Minnesota. You know, I think people were panicking a little too hard after the first handful of games. And I understand it. Like Cheryl Reeve deserves, um, you know, she deserves to be questioned for some of her offseason decisions, um, which were fairly perplexing to the outside eye. But obviously we don't have all the details. I think that that they've kind of made up some of that ground with the with the recent additions you've mentioned. Um, so I think that that, you know, they'll they'll even out for sure. Um, if I'm going to highlight a, a stock watch, uh, I, I think I would have to go, let me pull up the, uh, the full list here. I think I'm going to go with, uh, with Connecticut. It's a team that has only played two games. So it's just a team that it's just like major question marks right now. We just don't know. I don't quite understand this this early season schedule where they are just not playing. Um, but I think that once we get more, more data points, more games, and especially once Courtney Williams returns and we're able to kind of see this team at full strength to want Bonner as well. Um, they just have so much talent and I'm curious to see how it's going to mesh because two games in Alyssa Thomas looks like prime Alyssa Thomas. She's just, you know, doing what she does so well, which is just basically everything but shooting the basketball. Um, Can this team reach its fullest potential, which is winning the title, if there's this kind of give and take between Alyssa Thomas and John Quill Jones, where it seems like they can't get them both to dominate on the same night. And I think I want to dive deeper into this, which is why I'm just putting it on Stockwatch. I'm just rambling now. But, you know, 2019... Alyssa Thomas and John Quill Jones played really well together. They were they were kind of unstoppable on the floor together, and they took Washington, the, the greatest offense in league history, to five games in the finals before losing. So I think that maybe a little bit of the, you know, can these two coexist narrative is unfair, but I also think there's some truth to it because just from the eye test, when you watch Alyssa Thomas dominating a game, I often feel like John Quill Jones is kind of just – meandering around the perimeter, uh, not utilized to, to her fullest potential. And that would worry me. And, uh, I just want to see more. So Connecticut stock watch for me. Yeah. The only thing I'll add to that is I feel like Connecticut, I don't know. John Colt doesn't look full form, full mid season form yet for me. Whereas, and, and again, I think part of that might come down to the fact that John Colt Jones was on a, a Russian overseas team. Um, and probably had a, a good amount of downtime before the season started. How much basketball was she playing? How much was she training? Just doesn't look, you know, mid-season MVP John Quill Jones that we got used to seeing. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited for that one. This has been WNBA Stocks. We'll be back next time.